I used to ask, what is my calling? And now I've been asking, what is my calling in this season? And so for success for me right now is being faithful to the seasonal call and trusting that the big long-term call is outside of my control and I'm working toward Can redefining success start with embracing unconventional leadership? Welcome to Seat Go Create, where we explore this question and others with Heather Parody a visionary fractional COO and show host whose mission is to empower those that she calls unconventional leaders, individuals ready to challenge norms and make a significant impact in this world. Sounds like people that listen in here at Seat Go Create. With a background as unique as her approach to leadership, she has traversed a path from being homeschooled in the Bible Belt to spearheading transformative conversations with leaders across the globe. You can bet I'll be asking about that. Words that jump to mind when I think of Heather are authenticity, passion, impact. They describe her. Heather, welcome to Seat Go Create. So I've listened to a lot of your episodes. I'm like, man, he's good at intros and you do not fail me. Like that is so on point. Thank you. Wow. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Heather. I'm I'm excited about this for a lot of reasons. I'm going to share that in just a second. But let me give probably my hardest question. This isn't going to be my hardest question for you. I'll go ahead and tell you that. But it's going to be pretty tough. Somebody asks you what you do. What do you usually tell people? That used to be the hardest question for me to answer until this past year where I gave myself permission to actually say out loud what I know I actually do, which is I help. Cool. Tell me about it. Let's go. I help outside of the box folks, the big heart, carry their projects across the finish line. That's it. So I do that tactically through my business. So fractional COO, right? We do a lot of the operations side processes, systems, all the non-sexy stuff and make sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing so we can carry projects across the finish line. That's my business. And then on the creative side, content side, that's more philosophical. So what is it that's keeping you back from actually finishing what you start? Mm. So how do you bring those two together? It starts with the latter. Everything that we think is the thing is not the thing. <laughs> it's always an internal mental game. I'm starting to become convinced literally everything, almost everything, you know, is really a spiritual, mental, emotional issue or opportunity. Um, it starts there. And then tactically, I think it's getting around the right people and willing to admit when you don't know something and pulling in other people's opinions. I'm so stubborn. I'm so stubborn. And every time I'm hitting a roadblock, I'm realizing that I'm not allowing other voices and other wisdom in my head. And I'm thinking I can do it all on my own. And I've really been working on that this past year of learning from other people and bringing them in. And where does, there's a few terms that you use that I like. I don't know if they push my buttons. I don't know if they describe me. Or I don't know if it's something I aspire to, but terms like unconventional leaders, you just said outside the box. Mm -hmm. And so let me get started talking a little bit about that because we were talking, we were having a cool conversation earlier about some families and stuff like that. And tell me, just tell me more unconventional leaders outside the box, whichever one you want to dive into. Tell me more about that. It started off where I was thinking only about anesthetics, meaning when I looked at the landscape of personal development and leadership, which is a bug that I got bit hard with a few years ago when I was in graduate school and I was just searching for what was next and didn't feel comfortable with what I was doing. I started listening to all the podcasts, doing all the things we do. And they were great. It absolutely changed my life. But it was all a bunch of rich, middle-aged white dudes, which is cool. Like, I have no issue with them. You're not, against, like, you're not against middle-aged white dudes? It's like, no, we're no, okay. No, we're good. We're, we're good. I, I'm not, I'm, I think that might have been me. Now That's I'm you. not middle-aged, though. It's like. <laughs> but it's, it's true. I mean, 
there there wasn't a lot of women in this space, or at least ones that weren't didn't just have female podcasts, which are again, that's great, that's cool. But it was just like this certain brand. And I was in my early 30s. I had a baby. You know, I'm a little quirky. I'm just like the traditional, like, Southern Christian Bible Belt mom who wears Converse's and listens to punk rock music. It's still cool. And I'm like, where's my place in this? Do I have a voice here? So I started the show. It was terrible. It was like a microphone from Walmart and literally in my closet. And I called it Unconventional Leaders because I wanted to find folks who look different than what I was seeing. So I say all that to say it started off as an anesthetic for me. I wanted to see different representation in this conversation. But as the years have gone by, my attitude towards it has shifted so much where it's less about the anesthetic and more about a positioning in the world of approaching things in an unconventional way. So questioning, curiosity, and not from like a rebellious, like, screw the system or whatever. I don't want to ever come from that place because if we're not pointing to answers and solutions, we're just adding to the problem, right? But being willing to question stuff and follow your heart and your spirit and your soul and what God's leading you towards, even if it doesn't make sense on paper. I think that's the first thing that I saw that I liked. I'm going I'm to flip the script on you just a little bit here. I oh. think I bumped into some of the stuff you were doing four, four or five years ago, and I went, ooh, unconventional leaders. I kind of like that. And I think you had a Facebook group or at least a page or something like that. And so I jumped in, and you know what's interesting is I looked around and I went, I'm not sure I belong here. Really? How come? I think old white dude. It's interesting. Wow. Hey there. This is your host, Tim Winders, and I want to pause this interview for a minute and ask you a question. Are you feeling stuck? Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your leadership style, or maybe you just can't put your finger on it. Trust me, I've been there. I'm a faith-driven executive coach, and I can help you get unstuck. How? Well, I bring to the table not just over 30 years of experience, but also a unique blend of skills like strategic thinking, relationship building, and a dash of marketing wizardry. And if you are here, you know I'm not afraid to ask the tough questions. Don't believe I can help you grow? Just ask my clients that tripled their annual gross revenues in two years after coaching with me, or the clients that increased revenue 67% in just a year. So if you're ready to take the next step in your leadership journey, book a free discovery call with me at timwinders.com forward slash coaching. That's timwinders.com forward slash coaching. T-I-M-W-I-N-D-E-R-S dot com forward slash coaching. Take a look at that page, scroll to the bottom, and you could book a time right on my calendar. Let's unlock your potential together. I look forward to speaking with you. Now, let's get back to Seek Go Create. I really, I mean, I kind of looked around. I said, man, this is, this is an edgy place, which I love. I'm drawn to it. And maybe sometimes my kids, which my kids are your age, by the way. You know, they're in your, break. I'm a grandfather and stuff like that. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe I'm not cool enough to be here. Maybe oh, that makes the cool me kids so sad. That kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I don't want to recreate what I'm trying to fight again. No, I don't. I, and I actually don't mean that in a, I, know. I, I didn't mean it to come across in a negative way, but I meant it to be, mm-hmm. it's like, this is a little bit of a different group. First of all, do you notice what spell check does to the word unconventional? No, I haven't. <laughs> what does it do? Spell check. Hey, I'm sitting here writing it out and what I'm doing my intro that I did, did Heather make up a word. That would be an awesome video of like spell check going back. That'd be a good brand, man. Thinking about it. Yeah. Just gave you some content idea there. So yeah, that was, it was fascinating to me, but this is the thing I want to start with first. And then I'm, I'll just dive into some other things. The thing I've observed over the last handful of years and time might be a little bit outside my scope here. I can't recall, but you you had unconventional leaders and then and then I saw some things I know we've had a guest Glenn I think 
Oh, You've yeah. done some work with Glenn Lunday. Yeah, he, that's, I, keep, that's, I think that's been a few years ago. And, and then all of a sudden, I see NFTs pop in here, which, I'm, which I'm, I don't do a lot with NFTs, but I'm big and in, invested in crypto and things like that. And I'm going, well, that's kind of interesting. And then I saw something else. So there's been a lot of what I would call transitions oh, yeah. or pivots. There's a lot of words we could throw out here. And one of our big themes here is redefining success. So I'm going to throw all of that in the pot and hand it over to you and say... How are you defining success today, Heather? What's, where's all this coming from and where do you think it might be going? It's so fun because when I alluded to this early stages of getting into personal development, learning business and trying to build something from the ground up, you read all these books that give excellent advice talking about like a vision and a map and a plan and five years and all that. And I did all of that stuff. And I think it has its place uh, definitely. However, one thing I didn't read a lot about that I've been learning the hard way is seasonal calling and shifts. And that, oh, I think it's John Maxwell talk about like failing forward and how the more action you take, the more clarity you receive. But that only comes through a lot of iterations and a lot of failure. And so normally we're like, oh my God, I did this and it didn't work. I'm a failure. Instead of realizing if you look throughout history, if you read people's biographies, that is the natural system and process in which things evolve. And so when you read, you know, share all that over the past few years, and man, I'm sure you know, that's not that. There's so much more embedded in that those few years. I think, yeah, that's the process. That's figuring it out. And I'm saying all this to say, if you are working on something and you feel a shift, and I think there's a difference between being unfaithful to something and calling it quits too soon. And you know in your gut what you're doing. But if you feel like embarrassed almost to shift directions a little bit, I would encourage you to just leap into it. Because one thing I've been asking myself lately, I used to ask, what is my calling? And now I've been asking, what is my calling in this season? And so for success for me right now is being faithful to the seasonal call and trusting that the big long-term call is outside of my control and I'm working towards it. Yeah, I may, we may dive into your Bible belt upbringing here, no, but that word calling that. is, that's that, a big that, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it with caution. Okay. Um, but that word calling, I think, messes with us. I, and, and I think some of that, if it's not Bible Belt, it's church world mindset about it. We have this thought because we look at some people and they're called, you know, at birth and little Johnny, he's going to be a preacher like so-and-so was and all this kind of stuff. And I've actually changed the words for me. This is just for me. I'm not mm-hmm. spouting this to everyone else, but I changed the word to assignment. I'm looking for my assignment in God's kingdom today. And the reason why is because I'm now, we were talking about this earlier, I'm 60 years old and I feel like I'm just getting started, but yet I've also been through the ringers. So which story do you want to hear? And so I like that seasonal, I think we're here, there's seasons, there's times that we go through. And I think that's what I love. And I think that's why we try to tap into that here with you know, how are you defining success now? And it's sometimes nebulous. It's tough. It's vague and all of that. So, all right. So let's dive just a little bit, Sure. maybe more than a little bit. I'm an open book. I think sometimes our faith and our foundation is one of the things that screws us up in that area. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you know, Growing up, my intention, my calling, if you would, I always said, even since I was a little girl, that I wanted to be in ministry. Like I would, I played church more than I played house. I would set up the teddy bears and I would preach to them. And it was like on my mind 247. Um, That's the first thing that I pursued when I turned 18. I went all, all in. The, what I'm doing now was never a thought. And honestly, it was very painful going into this entrepreneurial path because 
yeah, it's cool, but for me, it was plan B when plan A was more ministerial or what I considered to be ministry at the time. And so leaving that, leaving that context, and I'm happy to answer any question with all that. I just don't want to derail us too much. Um, there was a huge grieving process for me where I felt like I didn't have a calling anymore, that I was disappointing God or I wasn't living to my full potential because it was outside of this construct that I had built in my mind and honestly was taught to me. And it hasn't been but just a couple of years, honestly. I mean, I mean, you've known me longer than it's than it's. I've, I've been working so hard on f- finding my contribution, calling, assignment, whatever you want to call it, through this work and taking it as seriously as I did when I was within the church. And we say that, and it sounds cute, like oh, you know, outside the four walls. But when you really wanted that, um, I felt like a failure. A lot, especially in God's eyes. Am I, am I doing the right thing, etc.? But I will say outside now, and this is just my experience. I'm not telling people they don't need to go into ministry or leave the church or anything like that. I have felt honestly so much more aligned with God and so much more solid in my relationship with the Lord than I've ever felt in my life because there's no middleman in between me and him. There's no church. There's no organization. There's no person. There's no position. It's literally me and God now. And nobody can take that away from me. I like that. As we travel around, we were talking about, you were asking before we started recording, how often do you travel? And we traveled, go stay places and move along. And one of the big questions that people ask is about, where do you go to church? Yeah. And the short answer is we usually don't mm-hmm. go to a church that most people define it as a church. And people will ask, are you this or that or denomination or whatever? And my answer is it's somewhat snarky, but it fits me is roughly what you just said in a much nicer way is I'm directly connected. I don't really go through anybody or anything like that. I just sit down and I converse as best I can. Yeah not figured out or anything like that. And you know what? A lot of people don't like that response. No. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. What are we trained to do? What is, what's drilled in us? If we are someone of faith, what are you supposed to do? Be controlled by something else and not God, by a man-made organization or entity. And if we can't control you, that scares us. So of course it's met with anger and frustration. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the journey that many of us go on is hopefully coming to that realization. It's, I think it's challenging, but you, you kind of had, I mean, almost like a double, triple whammy of it. We homeschooled our kids. I was homeschooled. And so when I'm reading about it, yeah, it's like awesome. What are some of the things that you're still maybe trying to, I don't know, purge, clean up and all from the way you were raised versus, and I want to look at the positive too. What are some Mm -hmm. things that are so cool and such strengths because of that, that you're still carrying with you? Oh man. I think the first thing that came to mind of what I'm, questioning and trying to purge is my instinctual response to judge something as right or wrong. Instantly, I will make, I am, is this book cover good or yes or no? Is this, and it's just this quick, quick, instinctual assessment of categories. This is this, this is this. Now there's a lot, right? That we're like, well, Heather, obviously this is this and obviously this is this and that's not what I'm really talking about so much it's just like when getting to the point where we're even questioning the how I say this the context in which we even look at things you know so we're not even just questioning this and this anymore we're questioning the lens in which we look and I know that can get dangerous because there's also to you know 
I believe in God and I believe that there is a universal laws that he's put in place that need to be honored and there is right and wrong and there is good and evil and et cetera, et cetera. So it's been interesting for me trying to navigate this questioning phase and trying to release judgment and really operate from a sense of love while still holding on to uh, morals and values and some kind of system. Because, you know, when you get into kind of what the cool kids call the new agey, whatever, you know, you learn about different energies and how there's like a feminine energy and there's a masculine energy. And essentially all that means is there's structure and um, order which is good. And then there is flow and freedom, which is good. And sometimes we demonize one or the other when really God created both. Not to navigate that's been really hard. Uh, As far as what's good, I love the message of hope that is in the message of Jesus, is that there is redemption, that there is life, that things can be restored. That gets me hype all day long. I believe that with every part of my being. And that's something I hope that I never let go of. Yeah, there's a word that really being thrown around a good bit, the word is deconstruction, that I hear it. I try to understand it. My wife and I, just in our prayer time, we actually wonder if we've done quite a bit of it ourselves. And I don't know that I think it's that bad of a word. I think I've heard you use it a few times on some interviews I've listened to you do. And but I actually think it has a lot of different meanings. If someone's going through what they call deconstruction, what would you want to share with them? What do you want to tell them? What what's some encouragement or guidance might even be a better word because it's a it's a weird word. I hate how people are changing up words in our world today, but. You know, I've noticed as a mom, I've been noticing all these subtle ways that I'm conditioning my kids without realizing it. And I have to stop Mm. myself a lot of times where I'll just blow off an answer of kind of that's the way it is, or you need to do this and that. And I'm imposing a lot of, and that's, Man, I don't know. I, there's an element, too, where I'm like, okay, you're their mom and you need to guide them. But I'm not guiding them to think as much as I want to do that, like for them to come to their own conclusions. And every time I do that, I think about how that is what happened with me in religion. And I used to be really angry going through the deconstruction process. And now that I'm doing the same things to learn behavior that people don't realize that they're doing, but the repercussions of that is we build a quote, quote, faith on something that was never really our own, right? And so deconstruction, it's normal to be angry going through it. Um, on the other side of it, there's going to be a lot less anger. There's a quote, I'm going to mess it up, but Jen Cirillo, Serato, whoever wrote the, I don't even remember her book's called. It's from Lewis Howell's, one of Lewis Howell's interviews. She was talking about when folks get mad at you when you're changing and evolving, that they're actually grieving somebody that they love. So they loved that old you. And then when you're shedding it, they're grieving that person. And that's where a lot of the anger comes from. But all that passes. um, And it sucks. But man, I'm so glad I went through it. Because like I said, I think I have more, I know, I have way more questions about God, and I'm not as sure about a lot of stuff, but at least I know the little bit that we do have together is so freaking real. And I think one thing that I noticed, because we, my wife and I, we, we did things different, like, from the get-go. We've been married 35 years, and so I think what we also did is we made some people around us uncomfortable because they felt as if it was an indictment on mm. the way we were raised or or something. And, you know, we all are dealing with whatever we're dealing with. I don't think it was intended that way. And we may have said some things that may have been insensitive and all. And so I do think there's a lot playing out. I love what you said about your children, because we've had conversations with our grown children and 
one of them at times said, will say things like, well, this is the way I am because, and, and it's sort of joking, but I don't think it's totally, you know, I'm screwed up here because of something you did. And my wife will take that and it'll bother her. But I, my mindset is like, don't put that on me. Mm-hmm. Say, I, we did the best we could with what we had. And you know what? It was pretty yeah. darn good. You're on your own now. You work it out with God. I love that. But that's just my leadership That's such a style. difference between a dad and a mom. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> that she's nurturing and loving on them. And I'm treating them like, no, y'all, it's all y'all. So that's a whole nother issue. But the thing that is fascinating to me, and I want to dig a little bit on this, is at what point were you... I'm going to use a word that's not a bad word, but I'm going to use the word addicted. But addicted to a Heather 2.0, to a better Heather, to something better than you are today. Because one of my favorite books is Mindset by Carol Dweck, where she talks Mm. about there's really two types of people. We shouldn't group people. We have to be Mm. very careful grouping. But she says there really are two people. There's fixed mindset and there's growth mindset. And as Far back as I can remember, I was always, and sometimes to a detriment, thinking future, and I've had to like dial it down and think mm-hmm. more current. Can you think back, at what point were you like always looking to the next thing, or what can I do better, or what can I learn, or... Man, that, I would... that is an addiction. That is an addiction, by the way. You know that, don't you? <laughs> It is, and I really resonate with what you said. Uh, there is such a light and a dark side to it. I'm, I always, Brian gets, I'll say he gets tickled by me, not frustrated, because uh, I'm just like, this is the way I am. I've all, I don't remember, I'm like you, I don't remember a time that I wasn't obsessed with, I don't want to say obsessed, but interested in growth and movement. I think there is a part of my personality that's in it. I will say that, I was heavy, heavy, heavy and steered all of that into the church at one point. I mean, everything into that. And then reading personal development, it was a sharp turn where I had to figure out a place for autonomy with faith because with what I grew up in, it was a huge denial of self and almost a martyrdom type five. And so shifting into personal development, there was a little bit of tension there because I'm like, okay, how great are you actually supposed to be? And how much really is depending on you? And so that's been interesting to try to navigate. I would probably pinpoint your question, although it has been in me since the beginning, um, starting a business and getting into personal development back in 2007-ish, I want to say. No, that's a lie. 2012, I'm doing the math wrong. That's what really started shifting things for me, but it was really uncomfortable, like I said. Because of that, kind of the way, I'll call it the sacrificial, but it's but it's also a false sacrificial mindset that we have. My wife and I would joke about it at times. We We still remember going to dinner with the couple when we were newly married, so it's got to have been 30-something years ago, where I don't even know truly if I was saved at the point. I, I probably said I was, but probably wasn't. I got saved in a business function shortly after we got married, so I'm different. I didn't do the church thing and all that kind of stuff. So business is where the mission field is for me and always has been. I don't. The church world is just I go there and I go, I don't even, I don't even know what's going on here. Oh, this is like weird. But we met with this couple. And they, I remember this statement. They said, we are worms just passing through this earth. And I remember thinking to myself, I can guarantee you, I am not a worm passing through this earth. Now, I may have thought higher of myself than I should, but, and I think that is baked into a lot of, we went to Bible school for a couple of years and it was I call it a Dickens tale. It was the where, best of times. Can it was you the say worst where you times. went? I'm curious. It was, up in the, it was up in the mountains of Colorado and all, and it was a lot of good people, a lot of baked in religion. And like yeah. you've talked about, the hierarchy is this. The most virtuous thing you can do is go into full-time ministry or actually mm-hmm. full-time 
mission mm-hmm. probably overseas as number one and mm-hmm. then full-time ministry pastor or teacher preacher mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. and that I, I kept looking at those people and i'm going i don't think so and so anyway i think that is part of what a lot of people that were raised heavy in it have to either come to terms with i was going to say overcome but come to terms with so what was the business that you started in 2012 i was a photographer i did freelance photography um, and it just i was in grad school my husband was starting his military journey and i had a kid and it was just the best job to have in the position that i was in because i literally just took my camera out on a tuesday afternoon if i could and shoot families i did weddings i did all kinds of stuff it actually ended up growing because I was learning the business side. I was a good photographer, but I was really good at social media and figuring out all that stuff. And I was like, oh, if you can do that with photos, what else can you do that with? And that's what really looped me into all this was just a little side. Do you call yourself a photographer or was it just a means to an end or a means to the next step? I did at the time. I did it for, I would say, about five years. I had some pretty good success towards the end of it. And here you know, back to seasonal calling, you asked me that question and, and here's my camera that I just finished using before I got on the call with you. And now I'm doing videos with the same equipment. Mm-hmm. I never would have known how to set all this stuff up and aperture and all the equipment that I would need and lighting had it not been those years. And so there's so many things that you're learning right now in this season that you have no idea what you're going to use later on. The reason I ask is our son called himself, he wanted to do movies, went out to L.A., and calls old called himself a photographer. He's 100k plus over on Instagram now, rocking with a bunch of things he's got going on. But it's kind of similar. We had a conversation not too long ago where he says, "You know, I don't, I don't know about photography. I think, I think I'm written mm. things like that." So he's kind of discussing some transitions, but still super talented as far as yeah. visual and things like that, which I think that you definitely are too. So, so the progression, photography, it opened up the doors with. Uh, obviously, it gave you visions of things that you mm-hmm. probably hadn't seen. And and then this unconventional leader started. i got to ask this before we get too far down the road. At what point did the NFT thing pop in? What was going on there? Other than it was the hottest thing around for, what, about 10 minutes, maybe? It came from a natural place, the most pure, natural I mean, it makes me sick how, you know, you can just try like, beat your head against the wall with some things and other things you don't try. And it's just like, so I was at a conference and met a friend there and we both were laughing because we both had just bought an NFT from Gary Vaynerchuk. And I don't recommend this. I'm glad I personally did it. But, you know, we trusted Gary back to the branding piece and I still do been following him for years where he said, hey, I'm coming out with an NFT project. You need in on this. I bought it without knowing what it was. Literally. My friend did the same thing. So we said, what? We should just hop on a mic. We were both seasoned podcasters. We knew what we were doing and document us figuring out what we just bought. No other thought than that. We get on a microphone. He's eating Cheetos. I have Google pulled up and we're just having a conversation on a microphone about what is an NFT? What's the blockchain? What's Web3? I didn't know anything about crypto. Nothing. We're talking, we're newbie, newbie. Well, we just so happened to do that in August of 2021. Starting an NFT show in August in 2021 and us faithfully doing it into January 2021. We had a quarter million downloads January alone. And we were like, oh, oops, oops, oops. We didn't mean to. Now what? And so we did it for, I want to say it was eight months, reached over a million downloads. We turned into a literal business with what we were able to do with it because we sold some pretty premium sponsorships and closed some pretty interesting stuff. Um, It just so happened he and I both made a decision that we had different goals and that we needed to stop the show before everything plummeted. Um, So it was just kind of like perfect timing. I think there's still stuff we could have done with the brand, but um, man, it was my life. I closed down the group. I closed down my show. I went all in because when those moments happen, you got to jump and I did. 
What'd you learn from it? Never start a business too soon, even if things are working. Don't get into a legal entity. Don't. It's weird because I'm glad I took risks creatively. Um, I had never entered into a business partnership with anybody before. And the way that we did it, I'm not, I understand the circumstances were out there, but I won't ever do that again. It's entering into a marriage. When you put your name on paper with anyone else, you're entering into a marriage. I will always enter that with reverence moving forward. Um, I also learned that you have to be very careful with your words when you are on a microphone and making sure that you are constantly, it is weird. It's a weird balance between not being fearful, but also to using wisdom, especially when it comes to finances and money. Now, we always said we're not giving it financial advice. We were very open with hey, all this stuff could plummet. We did all that with integrity. I still feel some weight of that, though, because even though we never said, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this, it was such a tricky market and a lot of people lost money. And even though I can stand before God one day and say, I'd hope I didn't cause any of that, it's still weighty on me, man. And it's tough. Part of our story was real estate and we had investors and all heading into 08. And that probably hurt my soul, really bothered me identity-wise and all as much as almost anything was that I had gone and raised money and gotten money from people and I knew that it wasn't going to be taken care of. So that's, I think that tells you a lot about a person, tells me a great deal about you, that that is one of the takeaways from it. Yeah. And and I will say as an executive coach, one of the things that I do very often is clean up messes when people get into partnerships like that. It's tough. You brought it. I mean, you said it. This is the takeaway. I want people to listen. Yeah, it's a podcast. Yeah, we're just getting on the mic. We're talking and all that kind of stuff. But it's a marriage. It's a marriage with a lot of tentacles that can cause some issues and things that can well, we're still walking through things i mean we've been closed for rich rich is a great guy so i'm not saying anything about sure. you know, great dude it's just a pain in the blessed booty you know what i mean and it's not you really have to ask yourself is this worth getting married because <laughs> that's what happened yeah yeah and so anyway that's interesting all right so you begin transitioning and then all of a sudden a few weeks ago i see the new and improved unconventional leader podcast, which I've binged through. I had a, had about an eight hour drive last week. I've listened oh, cool. to about four Thank or five you. episodes, listened to the guy that worked at Pixar, which is super cool. Rob Bell, which I mean, talk about a great get because controversial, but I love that type of controversy myself with Rob and stuff, especially if Anybody's around church world, they would, he might mess with them. But tell me about this iteration and, and how it came to be. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate that. I have been uh, dancing around how I really feel about things in the online space um, since I started, really. Like I told you, I transitioned from kind of ministry church, a very strong conviction of the way things were. And then when all that started, here's your word, deconstructing. In the online space, I would allude to different things I felt and so forth, but I was, I've was i always been hyper afraid of offending people. I don't want to offend you. No, there's that mama coming out in me, you know. Uh, it was last year, I want to say, I was at the Summit of Greatness, Lewis House, and I was sitting in the auditorium and I felt really strong in my spirit that God said you were entering into your life's work this next season. And I'm not saying it's this show, but I feel a shift in me to start having those conversations I've been afraid to have, going deeper. My shows have always been very short. We're doing it a little bit longer. And just a non-expectation, make a show for me. And going back to the unconventional part, I've never let that go. And that's been interesting, too. Sometimes you lay things down, you can pick them back up again. And so that's where we're at with this. I'm, I'm, I'm letting go of the need to monetize this or grow this. I had a coach earlier this year. It was set me free, man. 
but he encouraged me. He said, you can separate your clients from your audience and that's okay. And, uh, you know, in the online space, like build a funnel and drive leads this way. For me personally, I haven't yet uh, found a better way for leads in at least a service-based business than word of mouth. So that's worked fine for me. I don't need to necessarily create content for the folks that I'm working with in my business. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about operations and process on Instagram. I do want to talk about pop culture and spirituality and the four agreement and those forth. And it's fine if these folks never buy a thing from me because honestly, I don't have nothing to sell them right now. And it feels real freeing right now. So. What does it do for, especially this, we even tie this in back to what we were talking about earlier with the way you were brought up and raised. What does it do when all of a sudden you're creating, and I've got some questions about your creative process here shortly. But what does it do when you're creating and dollar signs keep ching, ching, chinging around your head or you, you look at something you're creating and you're thinking to yourself, this has to have ROI, it's got to have return. Because, because I, I've been through a similar process as you have with the coaching that I do, what I'm doing with this show and just like you said, I've come to terms that this right here, this show, is for me. It's for me. It's so that I can reach out to Heather and say, hey, can you have a one-hour conversation? Now, it's good, and I think people are going to listen in, and it's going to be awesome, yeah. and they're going to get stuff. It's for me. Same. So talk about money and how it can mess, especially people maybe that were raised a little bit the way we were raised in church world or you were raised in church world. Does that add anything to it or does it matter? I think what's coming up for me when you're talking is this strong realization since newbie, since the NFT show. And that was where, and, and Rich has talked about this publicly too, kind of had a split in the road where he's an entrepreneur and I am a creative. Now I am entrepreneurial, right? I have a business so I can go and create and seek. And I know that's the reason I have a business is it gives me a life of freedom to explore. Now, other folks create because they're entrepreneurs and they're using that as a tool for their entrepreneurship. And when I figured that out and it was through the brimstone and the hard stuff with Rich, I was like, oh, so now when I create, I don't, the only ROI, and I'll talk about this in a second, is the reach that I struggle with, the money I've let go of them. I've made money through content. This, we made a lot, quite a bit of money from the show through our sponsorships and stuff. Um, I didn't feel better about that. If anything else, it added so much pressure to the creative work. It didn't feel good. To, dollar signs don't really come up for me with this. Now, what I struggle with is keeping my ego out with reach and likes and comments and all of that. I'm constantly having to check myself on that to, you know, I say that I want to make an impact through my work and et cetera, but I get frustrated if something doesn't pop the way this other thing worked or I'll be like, okay, what do we need to do to fix this hook? And all that's good. The tactics are good if they're a tool, again, as a part, as opposed to the God. And that's what's been interesting for me over the past little bit. So it's not money for me. It's the ego of uh, views and likes and comments, which I would love to sit here and say, oh, Tim, I don't struggle with that. But I do. And sometimes I need to put all this stuff away and step away and keep my phone off. I've been doing that a lot lately, just putting the phone down because it doesn't matter. I don't know if that answers your question. Does some of that reach, does some of that impact your mood? Do you notice your mood going up and down based on Oh, this one, look, I, I was talking to my son the other day. He literally threw up a reel. And when I say threw it up, he took an image and put a, uh, not a cartoon, a graphic fire going. So it was a still image. And, you know, I don't know what viral means today, today's world, but, you know, he's, He's added like 5,000 followers from that mm -hmm. reel on Instagram. And I asked, I kind of asked the same question. I said, are you in a better mood than you were last week when the one 
that you put up that you thought was awesome, did it. And you know what he said? I'll say this and then you could respond. He said, it actually bothers me, he says, because I'm not sure exactly how to duplicate it. Ah, I could kick it with him. Like, I, yeah, I get that a lot. Um, I don't. So my mood, I don't think it affects my mood as much. What I've been aware of is my temptation to alter the content based on what I know works versus what I feel like I'm being called to say. Let me give you an example. I know what works right now in my reels is very tactical information coming from a celebrity's mouth. If I say that, um, who's somebody famous right now? Uh, my mind's just gone blank. I can't remember one famous person. Um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey says that if you do these three things, you will get $1,000 in a month. One, two, three. That will pop. Now, that's hard to find, that information. But what I want to say on this is I always want to tie things back to like spirituality or personal development. And that's the non-sexy part of the content that people don't really want to hear. And so there's a huge temptation for me to be like, Ugh, what works versus what am I supposed to say right now? Um, that's my biggest struggle. And I did, I think I looked at your Instagram feed last night and you there's definitely that style where Trevor Noah and others mm -hmm. are so that so you must be hitting on on something there. There's a word, and I don't know if it's a good word that I introduced you with or a bad word, but because I heard something that you that might have contradicted, but it's the word authenticity. That's a mm -hmm. weird word, and I think in our culture today. And this is, I'm about to be cynical. I'm just letting people know there's about to be a cynical statement that's going to lead to a question. My cynical statement is, it amazes me how hard people are working at being authentic in our world we're in today. <laughs> they are working extremely hard. And, but I actually, I saw in description of you, the word authentic, but then I also, there was something I was listening to where you, I think it was a short or real that you did that was something about authentic isn't what our isn't what we're shooting for. Sometimes we need to make a change. We need to adjust. We need to be somebody else, not ourselves. So talk about authenticity. Man, that that hit a button when I posted that. I got so many DMs. Some people loved it. Some people were mad at me. What was what I was trying to say through that is everyone says be authentic, which is good to a degree. We want to be honest. We want to be ourselves. We want to be transparent because we don't want, I mean, everybody can agree. Everybody's nodding their heads, of course. Where it gets interesting is when we use that as an excuse to roll over other people, um, do what we know is not right, be lazy, make excuses because I'm being, quote, authentic. So what the intention of the video was a call to a higher self and who you really are deep down, who, not that worm crawling through the ground, but, you know, the great Tim and the great Heather that's inside of us. And that is the most authentic version of you. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to sit here on your podcast and say, I struggle with ego sometimes. I struggle with insecurity. I struggle being, making sure that I'm being in alignment with my work and doing the right things. That's authentic. I hope it is. But be coming in and telling my kids that I just don't feel like making them dinner tonight because your mom's tired. You know what I mean? Come on. And I think especially what? not to get like this generation, blah, 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 because that's a bunch of BS. All generations have their thing. It's popular now. Um, and it's unique to this time because we haven't had social media before where it's elevating this sense of self where it is all just about you and your feelings. And again, that's good. But now we're overcompensating where I think the message needs to be counterbalanced with humanity and empathy and awareness that we're all a whole and what I do affects you. I think one of the my measures of success with social media is 
we were talking about this before we clicked on is that with the post I did recently, I was able to connect with your dad, which was so kind of cool. cool. And I had a little dialogue back and forth and hopefully encouraged each other and stuff like that. That's, I think that's a, a good value there. Related to leadership, content creation, anything like that in your mind, they are definitive and they are absolutes. Or are we getting to a place where most things are fluid? I don't even know if that's the right word. And based on how you responded to this, I've got a follow-up question to that. So anything that you're like, as you go through your journey, because you've got, this is a success journey we're going through. Anything that you're going like, this is solid. And if the answer is no, that's okay. What? You ask the best questions. This is so deep. I have to this for a minute while you're thinking let me follow up with it here's a reason here's a reason why the reason why i ask that is because the more i go through this journey the less i recognize i know and and i went through that personal development phase that you did where you have someone like me i can guarantee you they looked like me that stood up because i used to do this And I would say there are three keys to success. And here are those three keys to success. It's do this, do this, do this. And whatever you do, never do this. And I'm getting to where I can't think of any of the, and there's things that I can recommend and say this might, but anyway, that Hmm. that's the, the depth of the question because, and it, and the reason I'm asking it, it is generational. I've got someone here that's not my generation, and I do love to kind of see where you are with that. So it's too deep. We could, you know, I could no, ask I you my favorite deep. color. It's great. It's great. Um, I think what came up for me, the only thing that I'm sure of right now is our makeup as humans and what we want and desire, I don't think is questionable. I don't think we can question that. We want to be loved. We desire belonging. There's a deep need for contribution and purpose. And for me, that's the only solid thing. Now, how we go about achieving those and doing it, I think that's where it gets foggy and interesting and different people's perception of you know how they feel belonging and all that but the truth is we all need that right and I think that's what ties us together and connects us and we have to remember um besides that man I don't know that's I'm gonna be thinking on that for like a week the the thing that I like about what you're doing with unconventional leaders is that I think this is really the root of the question is that I think that you're probably tapping into the individuality of leadership. Mm. I think we want to formulize, I'm an engineer, I'd love to come up with the three or the seven or the whatever, and and I could do it, but I could tell you I'm getting less and less confident in those threes and sevens. I'm getting less and less confident in the always or nevers. And I'm 60. I'm a couple years. I'm a lot of years older than you. I'm old enough to be your dad because he and I are the same age. (laughs) And so, but I think that's the beauty of unconventional leaders. I think we've seen leaders for way too long, and there are many of them are my generation, that they have absolutes. And those absolutes, they are saying it with loud, authoritative voices. And I think people are getting tired of that. Yeah. And so I'm seeing you, and maybe we're trying to hear, I don't know, I'm seeing some people trying to uh, unpack, I hate that word, but unpack or, or bust it up or something like that. And, and I love what I'm hearing there. Tell me some things, give me a little, I know you aren't thinking too far ahead with what you're doing there. It's kind of unfolding. I, I can sort of tell if I'm wrong. And you've got a five-year plan, you could let me know, but it seems like it's unfolding. What are some things in the very not-too-distant horizon, if somebody's listening in, maybe in early 2024, that that they might get to uh, look for if they jump over and listen in at Unconventional Leaders? Yeah. 
media, media, media. That's the future right now. Um, I've wanted to, for several years, get more involved and intentional with not only what I create, but helping other folks on that side of things. I think it's a really how it is such a powerful tool that we can use to reach folks and to give hope. I mean, like it or not, I could argue both sides, but it's here to stay. And digital identity is a really interesting conversation about people finding themselves in this other world. And whether that's right or wrong, it's the truth. And we've got to figure out how to bring light and hope into those places. So right now it's through Instagram feeds or podcast feeds. When my kids get older, gives me anxiety even thinking about it, but it's through these games and these avatars and so forth. And again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just the way that it is. So I want to figure out more ways to bring this message of unconventional leadership, of hope, God, love, light into these places. Right now, this is just through storytelling and reels. I recently started doing some scripting work for different people, which has been really fun trying to help them with their short forms and stuff. So more of that, man. The word bridge has been on my heart a lot lately, and I've always felt that way. Um, growing up, I was one of those folks, because I'm a personality, that I could roll in different groups pretty well. And then even, too, at my age as a millennial, because I'm not young anymore, so I'm kind of this weird bridge age where I can get folks older than me, and then I also get Gen Z. And so through the work, my hope is to be able to be a bridge between different worlds and more connection. That's why the reels I do Trevor Noah and then talk about the four agreements, because it's a bridge. Folks aren't looking for this. They're looking for this. If we could bridge these two together, they get to this, Right. I'm sorry, audio folks. I'm doing an analogies. <laughs> you can't see. Yeah. Um, there may that's be some really, people watching you. Yeah, yeah. That's messy, Tim. I hope that made sense. But media is on my heart, storytelling, and then hopefully using that as a bridge to reach folks. I think that is good. And I see that. And part of the evidence of that, Heather, is that we're having this conversation. Is that you and I are conversing, you know, different generations, probably different, a, a lot of different, mm -hmm. but yet I said, hmm, I wonder, wonder if Heather would come on the show with us and chit chat. And so I think that's evidence that you're moving in that direction. Yeah. Bridge connector, you know, whatever words, I think bridge is a great visual, but I see it. Thank you. I, the word peacemaker is this word that keeps popping up in my mind. It's a little bit more of a, of a biblical word, but peacemaker is weird. There's a lot of ugly in the world. And I think it was Google that used to have a don't be evil as, you know, one of their underlying mottos or whatever. I'm not going to be one to judge, but they may not be adhering to that totally now. And I think with all these tools, like you're saying, I just, I don't want us to use it for evil. I want us to use all this for good. And it seems like that's what you're trying to do. Is that right? I sure hope so, man. I sure hope so. I'm, I'm so grateful I'm entering into this work in my mid-30s, late 30s now. It's interesting. I can't imagine not having any kind of foundation and being handed all this stuff. But also, too, you know, I mean, they're not going to know anything different. It's just a different world we're coming into. And instead of being fearful and afraid and pointing fingers and fighting it, I feel like us older folks, because I'm going to say I'm older too, Tim. I am. Like, I'm 37. That's okay. I know you're shaking your head. <laughs> but for the folks I roll with, I am. Like, they're so young. And uh, I don't know. People are looking for guides and people who go before them and light the way. And I hope, hope God that I can do that. Yeah, there's a real deficit of hope out there. And I think some of us are trying to deliver that. Heather, where can people find you? Give us give us all your coordinates. I think we've mentioned the podcast, but podcast, Instagram seems like pretty hot areas. Tell us that. And then one more question before we finish. Sure. At Heather Parody, pretty much everywhere except for LinkedIn and Snapchat, because I can't bridge those two worlds. That's just too much for me. Yeah. Are, do you do much on YouTube? YouTube? 
we're starting to. Um, I'm putting a little bit more attention into putting the podcast on YouTube. I'm editing everything. I do all the edits. Um, so it's slow and it's clunky, but because it takes a long time. But yeah, we have a YouTube channel. Okay, good. Yeah, make sure everyone go check that out. And right when you finish here, go over to Unconventional Leaders. It's a, it's really a good fit for some of the conversations, a lot of the conversations that we have here. Heather, we are seek. Go create those three words. I think you mentioned them a few times when we were talking. Mm -hmm. I'll let you choose one over the other two. My final question, one, seek, go, or create, and why? My instinct is to say go or create, but I'm going to pick seek. Okay. It's probably my least favorite word out of all three of those, but it's the one that I've been really drawn to lately because I'm like, yo, if you want to go and you want to create, you got to first seek, right? Curiosity, openness, student mentality, childlike, Lord Jesus. That's good. That was, there's a reason the Lord gave them to me in that order. Because I mm. used to go, 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 and then create, and he said, I need you to slow down a little That's bit me. before That's you me. That's go. Me. So, Heather, thank you That's for me. this conversation. This Man, awesome. I knew I would love it, and I did. Go check out Unconventional Leader. Go listen. Go subscribe. There's some great episodes that I've listened to just in the last week. Go check those out and follow Heather in all the places and cheer her on wherever you can go cheer her on i appreciate you listening in here we are seek go create new episodes every monday until next time <laughs>